This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, November 13th on a beautiful, crisp Sunday morning. Uh, we have Wally Rigabon, who's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I believe he's taking in, he took in the uh, Penguins game against the Leafs last night, and I think he's taking in the Steelers and Cowboys game today. And we have, uh, as a co-host, Butch Carter, former Raptor coach. Hi, Butch. How are you? How are you, Nass? I'm good. I'm good. Wally, are you there? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm here. Good morning, Butch. Good morning, Wally. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Great, great. So you took in the Penguin game last night. What did you yeah, think? We, we, we watched the Penguins. Uh, my impressions, first of all, a beautiful arena, um, spectacular arena, uh, very well done. Uh, apparently it's not called the Console Energy Center anymore. They changed the name this year. It's the PBG, PPG Paints or whatever it's called. But uh, a lot of Toronto people down here, Naz, uh, was wearing my uh, my iconic number Dave 14 Keon jersey. Dave Keon jersey last night and uh, uh, got a few comments from some of the some some of the fans. Some of them decided that they were going to chant 67 at me all night long. <laughs> to sort of rub it in a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an annual uh, trip uh, I, I do with... Uh, with my partner, I'll plug him, Michael Carley, who organizes a trip down here to more so to watch the Steelers than to uh, than to watch the Leafs. Uh, so we we had a few guys uh, wearing Phil Kessel number eighty one Toronto Maple Leaf jerseys, and uh, that attracted a little bit of attention down in Pittsburgh. But I will say this: Phil Kessel was much maligned by some people in Toronto. Uh, I can actually say he uh, he's beloved down here. They have a totally different impression of Phil Kessel, and um, you know, they quite don't understand why Toronto got rid of him for more or less nothing. So uh, <clears throat> he's playing well. He's, he's, uh, his talents are appreciated in Pittsburgh in a way that they never were in Toronto. He's surrounded uh, by a different group of players, though, right? He's surrounded with Sidney Crosby. It probably takes the... Uh... The pressure off. Well, him. it takes all the pressure off, him, yeah. right? And then you know what? And uh, but you can comment on this. The the Toronto media. I mean, when they when they started ganging up on him, oh, maybe two years before uh, before he left. Uh, I mean, some of the some of the criticism of him, became, I thought, got over the top. Um, well, it's, given it's, his it's, personality and it, his skill set, it's very difficult when uh, you have the media directly associated with the ownership groups of the team on professional athletes. So, you know, that's the unfortunate s- scenario for players here. And the Leafs were going through a reset, and uh, they were always stuck. You know, since I've been here in town 18 years, they've always been stuck on never wanting to properly do a reset of the talent. And Kessel got caught in the middle of it. 
And when you have the media question you about the hot dog you eat or where you stop at before the game, um, it's really a bad situation. It's an inappropriate situation. Um, and I think, you know, that will be reflected later on with uh, Kessel went on and won a cup uh, with a team in which they thought everyone thought he would fail. Uh, that has happened in professional sports. I think of Bob McAdoo with the Lakers, Deion Sanders moving around to team, uh, you know, as an assassin um, and winning championships. So it, it does happen, and uh, it's less an indictment of the player than the, the organization at the time. And there are a lot of players that came through here uh, before Kessel and during his time that it did not work out because uh, the franchise was, was really rudderless. Now, the uh, Nazem Kadri looked pretty good on Friday night. I was down to watch the Flyers and uh, Leafs play on Friday, Wally, and uh, Morgan Riley was tremendous, too. Morgan Riley, they, they need to let him loose because he hadn't been playing power plays, and they're putting him on now. But what is uh, the one thing? Uh, there was a few fans there, and they were getting on Austin Matthews already. They're not, they're not patient, the Leaf fans. I'll tell you that much, Wally. Well, I wasn't. I didn't get an opportunity to see the game Friday night. And you know, Matthews, you know, he started his career with uh, with a career game, and you know, things have you know settled down a bit for him lately. I mean, I just, I, I you know, I, I pray that Toronto fans don't jump on this kid. I mean, he's he's 18 years old. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. You're probably, and, you're, I mean, prob- get- you're probably praying the wrong direction. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for throwing a dose of reality on me. That's, that's so early. I mean, um, you know, they they got to give the kid some time. And you know, I don't like to use the word kid. Obviously, he's a young man with uh, with, with a lot of pressure on on his shoulders. I mean, I, I mean, let's go back to Montreal as an example. I'm just thinking. Do you remember when they jumped on Carey Price? Yeah, yes. when Halak was there. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, and they were booing Carey Price, and you know, thank God for Montreal fans that that never uh, that that came to an end, and they kept the right guy because I'm sure at some point there was some debate about whether they were going to keep Carey Price or keep Halak, and Carey Price wasn't a crowd favorite in Montreal. And they were booing him, and it was it was embarrassing. And uh, you know, three four years later, look. You know, uh, they they must be shaking their heads, Montreal fans, that they ever booed Carey Price. So Toronto fans, come on, get a grip. Austin Matthews is going to be a fantastic hockey player in this league. Let's give him a little bit of time to develop. There's, talking about fantastic. Sorry, Nets, go ahead. There's uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have built their team. Like Edmonton Oilers and the Leafs look like the, they are on the same track with the type of talent they have, with McDavid coming in and all the young players and the Leafs drafting all those guys. They have an issue on defense, and the hardest thing to build on a hockey team, especially, is D. They're in deep trouble because I watched that game on Friday night and watched the D closely. They only have two major league defensemen, two NHL defensemen. The rest of them can, shouldn't be playing in the NHL. Well, that 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 well, is that has been a an issue. Which when you when you reset the button, which side of the puck do you build out first? Right, so. Um, you watch Tampa Bay, you know, they built it out defensively first, but they already had a great centerman. Yeah. So the, the Leafs, I believe, have to go backward one more year. Um, it would be a mistake for them to uh, over-evaluate over their talent. They need to go backward. Um, 
Hockey is a distinctive sport because of the requirement of the four lines. And um, especially in the playoffs, you, you have to have an overabundance of defensemen. Clearly in the front office and on the bench, they have guys who understand that. Uh, Matthews is going to be in trouble now. He scored four goals. You get on everyone's board. And he's not as good as the kid in Edmonton as a centerman. It, the toughest That's thing, true. The toughest thing in the world is to be a young centerman and score four goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs your first game. It's got to be one of the toughest things ever happened to anyone. So they're young. They're not uh, bullies yet. Uh, Matthews is a unique talent. Everyone knows that. He will eventually be, a, I believe, a star centerman. He'll be the, the should be, without energy, the best centerman in the East in three years. And we know who's going to be the best in the West. So, but, but is there a comparison between him and Tracy McGrady at the time Tracy came in? I'm just, I'm just a firm believer that young Colts, you don't pile the minutes on them. Um, I think we've seen that with the Philadelphia 76ers. They've put the weight on their young guys, and all those guys have been injured. I think it leads to injury later on. Um, the true test of the franchise is, you know, why do they have to play all 80 games? I mean – Coming straight from, you know, I, I know that he played in Europe as a professional Matthews, uh, but but now he's on the board, and it's very tough. Um, Tracy, I had breakfast with him yesterday. He was in town. Uh, we had breakfast up by the airport. And, you know, to this day, he says, you know, he's the only young player. He's the only player in the history of the NBA not to make an all-star team, not to start 45 games, to get a max contract. But he was, when he left, the best player on our team. Defensively, offensively, all around, he was the best all-around Including player. Vince Carter? Vince was just better than Tracy in a fourth. See, but Tracy could guard four positions. Tracy was just a beast when he, when he left here. And, uh, you know, to this day, you know, we are close in doing things together because of how he was brought along. And which he argued with me at the time because his people thought you have to play all the minutes to get the max deal, I felt you know, differently, and uh, we agree now. Um, but what the Leafs have done is they've gone the right way. They've got the right coach. They've got the right administration. But uh, if there's any urgency to uh, to win too many games right now, I don't think it's in the best interest of those young guys. Wally, do you agree with the uh, the assessment on on the Leafs' defense? Uh, the, uh, the Leafs have, I mean, it, it's Riley and, and Zaitsev, and after that, Absolutely, Jake they, Gardner, uh, maybe they, they, a little bit, but well, uh, you know what? I, I, I was watching Jake Gardner last night. You know, the, the one thing you get to you get to appreciate uh, when you watch a game uh, live, as opposed to watching it on TV, you can actually, you know, you can watch the entire surface, and you can actually have a look at decisions that players make. And you know, sometimes Jake Gardner, I mean, he's improved under Babcock. I'll give him credit because he couldn't have got any worse than what he was prior to that. But <laughs> no, and, and that's with the greatest respect for Jake Gardner. I mean, I, I'm not going to belittle his talent. He, he's a very, very talented uh, defenseman. It's just his decision-making at times is just bizarre. It really is. If you watch him, watch some of the things he does on the ice. And, you know, as you and I both coach minor hockey, yeah. I mean, I, I take an eight-year-old aside and, and, and say, what are you doing out there? I mean, it, it just... And last night they got themselves in trouble. Uh, they're just running around in their own zones, and then they just couldn't get the puck out. But going back to your point, Jake Gardner, he's he's 
he's not the solution to the Leafs' woes. Let's put it that way. The Leafs have a number, a potential number one in in Riley, a potential number one. Uh, Zaitsev, uh, the book's not uh, not finished on him yet. And after that, I don't know what, what are these guys are a bunch of six and sevens. Uh, I don't a lot see of six and sevens and eights. Is it deep, or yeah, I don't see, I, and I and I think it, to be successful in the NHL nowadays, uh, you have to have some solid threes and fours uh, that can eat up those ten to fifteen minutes a game. Not cost yourself, not cost your team a lot of uh, misery when you're out there in the Leafs. I mean, it's going to be a long, tough season as we get into it. I mean, the Leafs are uh, you know obviously much more enjoyable to watch, and it's great to see the young guys play. But in their back zone, uh, it's, it's going to be a long year, Ness. It really is. And I, I want to make another comment before we go to – I know it's, it's almost time yeah, to go to break. Yeah, it was ready for that. I was – and, Butch, I really want you to uh, give me your thoughts on this. I was watching Marner play last night. Um, I mean, this kid's got talent. And, and, and being able to watch him live as opposed to watching him on TV where you don't see the whole ice – I mean, I, I was watching Marner throughout a whole bunch of shifts just to see what he does with and without the puck. I mean, this is one bright hockey talent. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, Naz, he's already the best player on the team. He's the best player on the team. What's well, your the, thoughts? The young, young guys uh, who are very good um, have preconceived ideals on angles, and they've done the calculations before they get in that situation. So when they happen, they fit right in. Uh, when you see young players struggle, it's because visually they can't, they don't understand what's going on around them, and they're they're consistently taken advantage of, and um, you know that was uh, that's extremely important, and I believe that you have to give it to them in small doses, and unfortunately when you're when you've been this bad as Leafs have been, you know you got to give it to them in large doses, and but basically. Uh, he understands the angles. Uh, my only concern about the little bitty cat is someone's going to try to hurt him to stop him from playing. Because, you know, the biggest disappointment I have in hockey is you go out and beat someone 8-2 to two and they feel they have to fight, right? And um, the team is going to have the ability to, uh, to be successful. But <clears throat> the true test for me was the first road trip, uh, giving up the leads. Um, you know, as I tell players, you, you know, when you get in those situations, you have to act like you belong. And uh, for whatever reason, there was an internal panic. And uh, I think Mike did the right thing. He let them fall because they have to understand that they're responsible for winning those games, that they've worked so hard to get the leads on. But I thought the first West Coast trip was truly indicative of who they were going to be. And Marner will not be able to maximize his talents until they clean up the back end and, and stop making all the mistakes that they're making. And it's truly related to an inability to understand hockey angles. Wally, we'll be right back after the commercial break. Thanks. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. Go, 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 go! So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. 
They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. And uh, we were just talking about Mitch Marner on the break, Wally. Uh, uh, I... You know what? The one thing I see about him is that his hockey sense, the puck seems to go where he goes. That's the, and well, that's. I, 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 I'm telling you, Naz, I was watching him last night. I was sort of watching just to, just to see what positions he puts himself on the ice and uh, when he doesn't have the puck. And the reason the puck follows him around is he's got that. I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. I mean, it's, you know, he's. He's like, uh, you know, a few games into his first NHL season. So you know, we've got to temper our uh, our expectations a little bit. And I certainly don't want to draw parallels to him and Gretzky. I think that's a little bit way premature and, and way and a little bit over the top. But he's got that sense of thinking ahead of time where to be. Uh, and, uh, and, you, and you watch him pivot his head on the ice uh, when he doesn't have the puck. And you watch... He moves into spaces. He's got that sense of anticipation. There's no question about it. A- absolutely. So, you know, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, as Butch says, hopefully they don't, uh, they don't, they don't gang up on him. And somebody, somebody gave him a two-hander last night across the face. I can't remember who it was. It might, might have been Malkin, if I'm not mistaken. It was Malkin at the uh, end of the game. Yeah, he, t- he yeah. took, a, he took a, a shot in the face. So. Uh, you know what? Somebody, uh, they're, they're, somebody better uh, keep an eye on on the kid, uh, and they, somebody on that team better not allow, uh, you know, the other guys uh, to take liberties with their budding star, uh, as I would say. Somebody, somebody's got to take care of uh, of uh, Mitch Marner and make sure that uh, you know he doesn't get roughed up. 
We're, we're going to change directions here. We're, our, the yeah. theme of the show is going to be we're going to talk about the Toronto teams, all five of them, including the Argos, because uh, I want to get Butch's we're opinion on really the Argos. But not really going to talk about the Argos. Yeah, for a few minutes. Uh, for a okay. few minutes. He blindsided but, me with that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the Raptors now, and Butch Demar Derozan has gone gotten off to a terrific start. What's the difference in DeMar DeRozan now compared to last year? I don't think there's any difference. He, he's, uh, he's got his contract. He's not playing for money. He's playing for, you know, he, he's decided that the Raptors are his brand, and they're joined at the hip. And so every night he is going out with extreme confidence to defend the brand. And, um, you know, to me, though, I mean, this is a consistent story. He's, you know, he gets a little better every year. And his issue has never been the other teams. His issue has been the Dwayne Wade's, the Jimmy Butler's, the Paul George's, the LeBron James. He, you know, he's playing in an area, era of basketball where the wing guys at his position are very, very good Hall of Fame type players. And uh, he has yet to step up and show that he can dominate that set of five guys in the East. So, um, you know, I, I believe, you know, he is going to continue on this path. He's in a great state of mind. Uh, for himself, his family, uh, his teammates, the city. Uh, it's an awesome display of what he's doing. Um, but he, he still ha- he still has a professional hurdle that sits, I believe, in that basket of those five guys, and those guys have pretty much dominated him in his career. Now, the one thing I've noticed in the NBA, and even in the NHL, scoring is up, and scoring is up <coughs> in the NBA. Why is that, Butch? Uh, coaches coach less basketball. You know, they want them to shoot the three. So the three you're shooting from 23 feet, so you have, you have you don't have to defend 46 feet because there's 23 feet at both ends. So you know it's basically become a management of basketball. It's less coaching. Um, you know Jonas Valanciunas they say he's valuable, but you know how valuable is he if he's not getting you know touches on a regular basis? So um, you know in my opinion, you know they're they're playing to what they believe the fans want to see, which is a lot more action. Um, you know, which is fine. I just, you know, it's it's not, it's not the way that that I would play if I was a bad team. You know, if I was a Philadelphia, I, there's no way I'd play that way um, because you're poor in transition. So long shots, long rebounds. So, but that's 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 what the reason they're playing that way. Now, Butch, uh, Butch I w- yeah, go ahead, Walter. Let me get a, a shot in here, uh, Butch. I want to ask you. Uh, Raptors are what are they? Seven and two now. Yes. Seven and two. Yeah. Okay. You've seen almost ten games so far this year. Um, how do you? I don't want to use the word rate or rank, but how do you compare this year's Raptors team to last year's Raptors team? Tell me where they're better, if they're better in any sense. Or tell me where they might be weaker or how they've changed. Compare the two teams. Well, they're weaker because they're playing more rookies, right? And the rookies aren't ready because the Raptors' true test is the playoffs now. They've shown in the regular season that, you know, they can dominate. Um, You know, they're going to be in the top five in free throw attempts uh, with the two all-stars they have playing. The officials, you know, uh, have been with them and giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um the concern I had going into the season is with uh, Biombo being gone, JV has to be healthy for them. Um, but the un- unfortunately, with them having to start a rookie, I think there's two things they can cons- consistently show that are going to 
bite them in the behind. First of all, uh, Casey has done a really good job of managing this team from the cycle of losing to winning. But they let Casey down, in my opinion, professionally when they come out and lose first quarters and get behind. Because what's going to happen is his really good players need to play less minutes as the season goes on because they're in a really good position for the playoffs. By them losing consistently first and third quarters, it is going to stress and require DeMar and them to play more minutes. So they're 7-2, and two, but I really think you should look at the number of minutes that DeMar and Kyle have played. And for some reason, they're not getting that consistency of scoring from the first group to the second group. And they need that because it is a professionalism that has shown historically that leads to getting to the NBA Finals. And uh, I don't know uh, what coach could do, you know, to help uh, them mature out of that. But um, the thing that scared me this year was why are you keep falling behind the first quarter, putting yourself in a position? If you look at the 82-game schedule, you got to have a plan, just like you have to have a plan for home games and road games. And for this kind of team, you would think, we want to be able to rest our guys. And the preference is play great, get the game over with, get the officials out of it, and then I can rest my two all-stars who played in the Olympic team. Butch, the Raptors played in the Knicks last night. Let's talk about the Knicks for a sec. They have veteran superstars there. <coughs> Why do they always do poorly? They can't defend because uh, Carmelo's not a three. Um, if I had the Knicks, what I'd do is uh, – play Carmelo at the four to start him, uh, uh, bring uh, Pazingas off the bench uh, like I did Tracy. I would sit down and talk to uh, Pazingas' uh, brother and his agent. Say, look, we're going to pay your kid the $200 million or whatever the max contract's going to be. But right now, I would make Carmelo a star so I could move him. They're in a position where at playing him at the three, he can't defend anyone, and they can't hide him. And now you've got uh, – your, your true star franchise player coming in, and it's a struggle with the ball moving. So, um, you know, th- that's, how, that's how I see it. It's, it's really identifiable. You have, a, you have a person who, in his eyes, he's a star. He cannot defend his position, um, probably as poor defending the uh, wing position as anyone in the East, and it's putting his team in a bind that it shouldn't be in. Yeah, they seem to have a lot of talent, but, yeah, go ahead, Wally. Uh, sorry, guys, uh, Butch. Let's put the let's put the Raptors in uh, in where they fit in in the East. Let's forget about the NBA overall. Obviously, it would appear Cleveland's at a different level than everybody else in the East, and the Raptors were number two in the East last year. But some of the other teams behind them have improved. I don't think. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Cleveland and, and Toronto have the most continuity. Year over year continuity. Um, DeMar knows where his shots are coming every night. All those other guys are trying to figure figure out how to get some continuity. Uh, Atlanta's changed over. Boston's changed over a lot of players. Chicago's changed over a lot of players. Miami doesn't know who they are. Uh, Charlotte's gotten off to a good start, you know, but they but they play small ball, um, and they haven't been successful on the road. But, I mean, I think, you know, Cleveland, Toronto are 1A and 1B. And it really boils down to – Toronto not losing games that's going to put them at at a uh, lose their home court advantage in the playoffs, and then Demar has to be this good in the playoffs against a really good player. So you think that uh, they have a shot at representing the East in the NBA NBA final? I believe if they clean up their professionalism about about not 
not go, being behind in these games so early. So Kyle and uh, DeMar can actually rest, getting you know good quality rest and not just having to take them out besides saying sit them. That, uh, I, I think they're a very good team. But again, JV has to stay injury-free because JV is better. You know about JV is better from, you know, my comments on JV have been, why is a 22-year-old so fatigued in the first five possessions of a game? And it, that part seems to be cleaned up, uh, you know, to his benefit or how, how they did it. But he's not as heavy. He is getting up and down the floor. He's still limited on what he can do with his left hand. But you you need to have him with Biombo not around. But he is a great touch around the basket, though. Yeah, I mean he he is. But what happens in the playoffs is everybody slows down. They've got all your scouting reports, and they play. You know they defend your strengths. Um, but you know Jonas ha- has to be there. He is a key part of what they're doing. Um, and I just think you know in, in taking the next step, it's more mental than it ever has been physical. We're gonna take, we're, Wally. We're gonna go for a break and then come back and talk about the uh, the Blue Jays. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. You get two Ponzo roti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings. I say for sure. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. That's nineteen ninety nine. A deal for real. A steal. Ponzo Combo. Ponzo Combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, Wood. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. They never argue sports. They just explain while they're always correct. The boys are back. 
the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to discuss the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and what's happening with Edward Encarnacion and Jose Bautista Butch. On the break, you said you don't. They don't think you don't think they'll get either of them. I just think it'll be hard because uh, the problem is they're free agents, and so someone else will be willing to add that one year. So the agent really has all the leverage. Unless there's collusion amongst the owners, the agent has all the leverage, especially for EE. What are your thoughts, Wally? Well, uh, I, I there's no question. I think Bautista's gone, um, and that that may may be a good thing. Uh, Encarnacion would have been great if they could have signed him, but I agree with Butch, um, and that and that's what that signing was uh, uh, all about the other day. Um, I. Somebody's going to pay. Somebody's going to pay Edwin more money than the Jays are willing to pay him. I, I think the Blue Jay fans better start looking at a future without either one of them. I think they're both gone. It's my assessment. The player they got from uh, Kansas City, his his numbers are pretty good. They they could translate into some big numbers at uh, the Rogers Center. What do you think, Butch? Well, they need a, they need a good left bat, right? I mean, they've been predominantly a right side batting team. And uh, I think, you know, as far as the playoff teams, they were the worst from the standpoint of batting average, left-hand left hand hitting. So they needed, they needed a left-hand bat. Um, there, there's two school of thoughts. <clears throat> You're totally attached to what the team was because they were winning. It was a great thing that was going on. Um, or you buy into the fact that the Cleveland team was put together by the two guys that came over here. And they can do it again. That's the teeter-totter in my mind. You know, they either Shapiro and them can do it again. Um, or, you know, you're tied to the legacy of, you know, what's going on here the last two years. And uh, now what do you do with Josh Donaldson? I think, I think what's going to happen, this is just my opinion. I think what's going to happen is the trade that uh, that took place in the 90s with Robbie Alomar, Joe Carter coming to Toronto for uh, Fred McGriff and Tony Fernandez. I think that type of trade, they're going to go and try to make that type of trade. I think they need to do that to uh, restore their lineup. Wally, what do you think? Well, the, the, those are tough trades to make, Naz. I mean, uh, well, there's you know, there's there talk any, of some are, are big there ones. Any Robbie, uh, are there any Robbie Alomars out there? Good luck. Uh, a young, a young star in the in the in the budding prime of his career. I mean, if if Shapiro can pull that one off, you know, he'd be given the key to the city. But uh, I, I I I think there's a different focus and a different mentality. They're taking the t- I, My assessment is they're taking the team in a different direction. Um, I, I think they've both come to the real. They've come to the realization that. Neither Bautista and probably not Encarnacion are coming back. They're going to build a team around Tulowitzki, around Donaldson, and around the pitching staff, the starters, and uh, fill in from there. I mean, they signed that g- the, the guy from KC. Uh, I'm, there's going to be a couple other more guys come in uh, at some point during the during the winter time, and uh, and then fill in from there. I mean, they still have even without Edwin. Uh, I mean, let, let's forget Bautista missed a good chunk of the season. Um, so they achieved a certain level of success without him. Uh, Encarnacion's a tough, tough. That's a tough hole to fill. But they've, uh, you know, they filled it with 30 home runs and I don't know 99 RBIs already. So uh, yeah, he had 160 the year before. So 
He's been yeah, over a hundred. So, you know, you, you, you've bought some. You've bought some production there at uh, what was that? About eleven million dollars a year, or whatever. Yeah, it we, was. we were talking uh, about that. That was cheap. That was cheap. Uh, for for that for those kinds of stats, yeah, yeah, I was kind of shocked to be honest with you. I mean, this this particular guy in KC, in terms of my baseball uh, uh, acumen or looking at it, sort of fell under my radar screen. I, I, I was kind of surprised by the level of production um, that the Jays got themselves for eleven, twelve million dollars a year, and uh, you know, go and he's a le- and he can hit from the other side with the Jays desperately need. They desperately needed a bat that could hit from the from the left side. So, you know, that's I I think that's the direction of the team. And um, let's see what other shoes uh, see what other shoes drop in the next few months. But, but uh, what 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 did if they can get an Alomar trade? Uh, man, I, that would be that else. that type of trade. They're not necessarily a, a Robbie Alomar, but that type of trade, a blockbuster trade to to try to fix things up. And they and there's been a lot of rumors around MLB of big trades happening this year, more than ever before. So, don't count that out. But what do the Jays need? Well, we they need to tell us if they're going to play small ball, right? We've we've been a home run, knock it out of the park in the East, and Cleveland was built around small ball. So they need to tell us, you know, which way they're going, and uh, not keep us in the gray area. So, you know, I, I can't make a decision on what's going on until he says, you know, we're going to duplicate what we did in Cleveland or try to. Um, but clearly with uh, those two home run leaders over the last uh, five or six years, it'd be, it's going to be hard to continue the, uh, what we've done. Now, what uh, they play in the American League East, and all the teams in that division play uh, rock'em, sock'em baseball. They don't play the, uh, the small ball game. Will that affect them going to small ball? It, it depends if Gibby buys into it, right? Because small ball is, puts more decisions on a manager. So I think it's, uh, you know, personally, I like John Gibbons. I've, I've always struggled with, you know, if Edwin's on first base, you know, why don't you start him early? Because he's just going to run into a double play if the ball's hit on the ground. I don't know if John Gibbons wants to wants to manage that way. You know, it's it's his team to manage, and I think he's done a wonderful job. Um, you know, my evaluation on things he could be better is the adjustment on small ball. So, if that's where they're headed, we did have the number one starting staff last year, yeah. good or bad, we did. So, but the issue at the end of the day is not just playing small ball, but can you win? playing small ball. Yeah, that's the question. Can you win playing small ball? I'm not so sure you can in that division. That's the thing right. that, that if they decide to go that way, it might be a tough one to tough one to haul. Wally, what do you think? I, I don't think that the Jays' makeup is to go small ball, both from uh, I just don't think that's where Gibby's head is at. I don't think that's where um, their sense of where they're going to go. I, my sense of it is they're going to try and replace Bautista and Carnacion. Yeah, but, and, but, and try but and carry on, and try and carry on the same way. But Gibby doesn't build uh, the boat. He just, he, he just yeah, steers. I know he doesn't build the boat, uh, but you know, uh, he's he's not a small ball manager. That's just that's any you know, and and you know, you've you've lost. Okay, let's let's assume Edwin and, and Bautista are gone. I I, I I just my sense is that the Jays are gonna try and continue on the way they're continuing on. Um I don't think they're gonna restructure the uh the concept of how to play baseball in Toronto. I just I, I can't see it. I 
you know, the the talent. I mean, you you still got Tulowitzki, you still got Donaldson, you know, some of these other guys. Uh, you know, Gibby. I, I I never saw him bunt in in any particular crucial situation this year. Are they going to restructure the nature of how they play baseball in Toronto overnight in one year? I would doubt it. That's my assessment. I would doubt it. I, I think they're just going to try and replace uh, Edwin's and, and Jose's numbers. That's my sense of it. I might be wrong, but I my gut instinct tells me they're just going to try and find home runs and RBIs somewhere else. Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Let's go to Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment for a sec. They have Toronto FC, who is... Uh, change the focus of uh, the fans in Toronto. More people are attached to the FC. How did they make it? And let's put the Argos in here. They made it and the Argos didn't. Butch? Well, they hired an executive from uh, Los Angeles that came in here and had done very well with soccer out west and was committed to it. When you have your executive VP sitting in the stands and trying to get everything right and... uh, you know, he's no longer here, but, you know, in hindsight, um, the game in which uh, my son and I were at and the fact that he was in the supporter section asking them to stop something, um, I thought was pretty impressive uh, in his passion to uh, get that franchise in the right direction. I think they're seeing the benefits of it, the coaching changes, everything else, and uh, they've done a good job with the FC. We have on the line Mark Antonio, who is a uh, former player in the NASL and former champion for the uh, Toronto's Metro's Croatia. Marco, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. And uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't get your name. Naz, Naz. And oh, we have Wal- Walter is uh, on the line with us also. Wally, oh, save. Okay, that's right, Naz. Okay. Carmine, how are you this morning? I'm well, Walter, thank you. Are you in the U.S., right? You told me we're going I'm, there. I, I'm, I'm in I'm in Pittsburgh with a bunch of guys. We're we're getting ready for the tailgate and uh, most importantly the tailgate rather than the football game. But God, I, mean, I, I want to cut to the chase here. TFC. Yes. Last time we talked on the air and uh, we had a good chat and things weren't going so well for TFC when we chatted. And of course, at that time, Jovenko had been injured. Now they've been remarkable in the last few weeks, especially with a resounding victory. Uh, last Sunday, five nothing. Um, what happened? What uh, what what happened? I know we chatted briefly that they changed their formation. Vanny changed the formation somewhat, but yes. uh, why did? Tell us a little bit about what you've seen from a technical basis with respect to this TFC team that uh, they're playing better soccer than they did a month and a half ago. Well, uh, yeah, Walter, you hit it right on. Um, we got to give uh, credit where credit is due to Greg Vanny because uh, in the course of, uh, I think it was after we spoke after the BC game, he went to uh, three, you know, three, uh, three, five, two formation, uh, and, uh, and it seems to be working. It seems that the team all of a sudden has come together and uh, with uh, with the three in the back, Zavarieta, Moore, and Hartland, and then wide uh, flanks, uh, you got Justin Morrow and Bertershaw with Michael Bradley, and Cooper has been also a big addition to, to the midfield from the Panamanian. 
you know, Sovio, they're doing a great job. And, of course, the big difference uh, is Sebastian Jovinko. He makes the, you know, he's a game changer. And Altidore is playing his best football of his career. So I think with this adjustment, the team is playing as a team. They're, they're playing with uh, grit. They're playing aggressive. Uh, and they pin the other team in their own half. They put a lot of pressure on the ball area. I see a, a good team when they're not in possession. And TFC has become a very good team in defending. And then, of course, when they get possession, they look for Jovingo, they look for Arsenal for the quick break. And it's working. Now, do you see them, uh, Carmen, do you see them going to the final? They, they, they are the favorites to win it all now with all the teams that are left. Uh, what do you think? Well, look, I've been with the play. I played with some great teams, and you know, the, the one team that uh, became champion was uh, the, the Metro, the Toronto Metro Croatia, 1976. And that's, uh, believe it or not, is 40 years ago. And Bill Manning, the president, they hosted, they recognized that team uh, on its on one of their games. Actually, it happened to be one of the league game against in August against the Montreal Impact. And I told Bill Manning, I said, this could be a good omen. It could be that maybe it, it, it could be Toronto's year we're repeating, uh, you know, to become champions of North America. And you know what, guys? I think, uh, like we did uh, with the, the old Metro's creation with the great Eusebio, and uh, we, we hit stride right towards the end of the, the season. You know, we, we were unbeatable in the playoffs. And I think this team will, uh, it looks like they could do it. I, I, I get that feeling that they hit the top of the game. They're playing the best football in the history of the Toronto FC. And they're playing as a team. And definitely I find that they'll be favored to win it all. Uh, Carmen, I want to I ask you, and we, we chatted about this this week. Um, there's no game this week. Uh, you know, the semifinals start. Uh, next week, and then we could potentially have we could potentially have a final game in Toronto on December the tenth. Um, from a soccer player's perspective, I mean the weather could be abysmal, and and I, I don't know why why they line up the season to end that late, especially when you've got so many teams playing in in weather zones. Where it, you know, you could be minus ten on 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 that. You could have, you could be playing in a blizzard. Uh, from the concept of a soccer player, um, how does that make any sense? Well, yeah, that's a good point, Walter. But you know, the league is expanding; it's become major league, and uh, and uh, you know, in Europe uh, they play in those conditions. Some countries like Germany, Poland, and. You know, they got very similar in Russia. They, even though they pause, I think as in some countries there's a winter break. Uh, but you're right. I mean, Toronto conceivably could be playing in uh, the 10th of December at home. If, if Seattle beats uh, Colorado, they'll be the top seed. And uh, if, of course, if Toronto beats Montreal, which is going to be quite a task, but I, I believe it's very possible that's going to happen. Uh, then we're going to have a final in Toronto. At that time of the year, you're right, Walter, be hopefully, you know, the, the weather's been, you know, I came to this country, great country of ours, Canada, in 1968, and winters have become a lot milder than they were in the 60s, 70s. So I still play golf, and you too, Walter, in, in 
sometimes in December, where if there's no snow, it's unpredictable. You never know with weather. But, um, you know, I, I, I think right now with the technology, obviously they will cover, TFC will cover the field, you know, so that the grass gets protected. Uh, the only issue is that there's going to be a gray cap with, uh, at the end of November in the field that could be chewed up a bit. But uh, actually, I think they play a few days later. They play the return match against uh, Montreal Impact on the 30th, right after the gray cap, I believe. So, you know, they could be... But I think TFC has done a, a tremendous job with keeping the field uh, almost like a Wembley type of condition. So... The players are very happy, hopefully, that they're going to have a final in December the 10th uh, in Toronto. And we, as fans, we hope that's going to happen. Now, Montreal is playing at the Big O. Uh, is there a possibility that, uh, or the feasibility that they could play at Rogers Centre on the well, 10th? Nat, I, 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 I'm not sure. Oh, by the way, i got to say something about this. I get a bit of a mixed feeling. Of, of course, I'm a Torontonian all too, but... I played at the Olympic, uh, the Big O Olympic Stadium in Montreal for three years with the Montreal Manic. So I'm caught a bit in between here as far as because I got some, I'm, I got some good friends in Montreal with the impact with Joyce Saputo and Nick DeSantis and Mauro Bielo. They're, they're good friends of mine. So, you know, and that, that, that's a trio that made the impact. Uh, they've been with the impact, of course. Uh, Joey Saputo is the president, and, and Nick DeSantis is the general manager. Maro Bielo, the Canadian boys, uh, you know, were doing very well as a coach. So um, I think, uh, you know, they've done a tremendous job of those three being there from day one. But my, my feeling is that Toronto this time around is the favorite, is the better team. And uh, I don't think uh, TFC will play definitely December the 10th at, at the BMO field. I don't think there's a chance that the game is going to go uh, to, uh, under uh, Sky Dome there. Wally, one last question yeah. for Carmen. Yeah, I know. Uh, and thanks for giving me the opportunity because I know you're running, you're running short on time, Nez. Carmen, I have to ask you this. You know I have to ask you this. Should Jovenko be playing for the Azzurri? Please tell me your assessment. Well, look, the and way duty, of course, is the Italian national soccer team. Yes, yes. Could uh, he be called up? Yeah, you know what? The way he's been playing the last two years, I think he's been uh, he's been uh, the top of his game, and he's got confidence. He's got the skills. He's got the speed. He's he's still a young man at age 29. He's at the top of his game. And I can relate to that because at 27, 28, 29, I played probably my best uh, footballer, uh, football. And uh, and I think Jovingo definitely, looking at the, the Azzurri forward, uh, I think he definitely could be one of the top forward there. And he should be in the squad. Never mind what Ventura, the coach, said about MLS being a, a secondary league. I don't buy that. I mean, we got some top players here in, in, in the MLS. Uh, and believe you me, um, if Toronto, uh, if uh, the Azzurri, Toronto uh, in Italia plays Mexico or plays Costa Rica, we lost to Costa Rica for crying aloud. Uh, Italy lost to Costa Rica in the World Cup, and a lot of the players, the Costa Rica players, play in the MLS. So, so Ventura should be watching some of the MLS game and should be have somebody follow Jovinko because definitely Sebastian. Is at the top of his game, and he deserves to be in the national team. 
Carmen, thank you very much for, for, for coming on this morning. And Wally, uh, that was a great talk. Thanks, Carmen. Take care, guys. Okay. Butch, TFC. You heard it all, all the discussion on TFC. Uh, the one thing, I want to compare this to the CFL a bit because they're, they're similar in some, some aspects and, and not similar in others. The CFL doesn't pay the big dollars. MLS pays the big dollars, and they, and, they, and they are supporting them. Why doesn't the city support the Argos now? Well, the Argos belong in one of the suburban communities, right? I mean, that's what the CFL is. It's family-oriented. And, you know, f- Toronto's going the same path as New York City. Families can't afford to live in, this, in the core of the city. And young people are working, you know, 60 hours a week. And, uh, you know, they're lifelong fans of, uh, you know, the younger ones are, you know, Raptors, Leafs, and um, Blue Jays fans. So, you know, the Argos, um, MLSE is, <clears throat> I think they've always thought, well, you know, we've got all these assets, maximize the assets so, gr- so we can maximize the gross revenue per seat. And uh, it's just not there for the Argos. Yeah, because you look at Toronto FC, Javinko makes $7 million. Mm-hmm. Altador makes two and a half, and I think Bradley makes five, four or five million. That's a lot of money, and the CFL can never afford to do that, obviously, right? Wally, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I'm down in Pittsburgh. I'm headed to a tailgate party in a couple hours. I'm down here with, and we talked to Michael Copeland, uh, the president of the of the Argos earlier in the year. Down here with about 15 to 20 guys of my vintage, probably between 50 and 60 years old, we were all huge CFL fans when we were growing up, as uh, you and I were, Naz. Yep. And chatted with a few of the guys. We probably can't name you one guy. I mean, I canvassed all the guys down here. We couldn't name you one guy that plays on the Argos. We couldn't tell you when the Argos play, what night of the week. Uh, there, there are off-the-radar screen completely. for for and that's, and that's sad, and it really is. And... Uh, they're making no inroads with the younger generation that I can see. Uh, how you fix the problem? I haven't the slightest idea. I, I have no idea. I don't know how you fix the problem. Butch, we have two minutes left. We want to discuss the uh, the league that uh, you're developing and how it's going. How is this going? It's it's going very well. Uh, finished the uh, first round funding. Uh, now we're at revenue production. All the uh, Facilities are leased, uh, permits, insurance. 45 players and coaches are coming in town um, the 18th through the 22nd, uh, having an open house at uh, the Pan Am Center on Morningside Road in Scarborough from 10 to 2 on the 20th. Uh, the communities um, are welcome to come out. It is uh, <clears throat> it is a lot of work. Um, you know, what we're doing is, is hard. Uh but man, my phone is my voicemail's full. I've got young people calling me from uh, all kind of countries um, that want to play basketball. I do believe my model will go younger, more like the OHL. Um, you know, that's where we're headed, and I think we will do. I think whatever we are this year will be two or three times better than that uh, the following year. Uh, we start the first game December ninth. And uh, we'll play about 100 matches this year um, through April 1. Uh, we've signed a 10-year TV contract with Yes TV. Uh, our production uh, is being solidified um, uh, as we speak. So um, I'm not excited. I'm just 
the way I am. Like, let's keep executing. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you, you asking. Um, but, you know, we've got a big open house at Scar- Scarborough at the Pan Am Center. Um, see what we're doing. The bleachers will be out. The, the court will be set up. Uh, we built our own ticket agency. Um, tickets will go on sale uh, Thursday to the general public. So it's been good. Very good. Thanks, Butch. Wally, you're going to be watching the uh, NFL Super Bowl finalists today in the Dallas Cowboys. That's the way it looks well, to me. Interestingly enough, uh, we ran into Troy Aikman in the in the hotel lobby yesterday, and uh, you know what? He looks like he could still play. Yeah, uh, he looked fantastic. A lot of Dallas Cowboy fans in town, and remarkable, just remarkable, the amount of people that are down here from Toronto. Um, you know, to hockey fans and even football fans. There's there's thousands of us down here. It's uh, uh, NFL certainly is passionate. We're passionate about the NFL in Toronto and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wally, or, uh, Wally, we got to go. Yeah, I know you got to go. I'll have you have fun, have fun in but Pittsburgh thanks, today, Butch. okay? And Butch. go Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. All right, thank you guys. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.